up? It's your girl, Melanie Fiona, and you are checking me out right here on the Ryan Holmes Show podcast, the most authentic place to shrimp curry. I didn't say curry shrimp. I said <laughs> okay? Curry, okay? All you Trinidadians and Jamaicans that want to argue no. with me, I call it shrimp curry. Don't, don't at me. You know what? Like, I am woman. Hear me roar. I'm going to just squat down and have a Look at me. I'm so holistic. I'm so healthy. I'm so like, grounded and connected with the universe. Of course, this video is going to come with no problems. So I, I feel like a really good interview allows an artist or the person, the person being interviewed to show their personality. To yes. Allow them a safe space to be vulnerable without feeling like it's going to come back to slap them in the ass. I cried. Of course, I was terrified because now I have to have okay. surgery. Okay. Uh, let's and, get into it. Uh, hey, Royal, you know, to another the- episode of the Rhino Show podcast. Today, normally I don't read the full bios of my guest, but I feel like she would love the bio. I have Melanie Fiona, which I absolutely love, but I'm going to read the bio. She's a two time Grammy Award winning Canadian singer, songwriter, and wellness advocate. Just like the powerful music itself, Melanie Fiona exudes a soulful charm, wit, and a genuine story telling ability that expresses both vulnerability and strength. Her distinctive and powerful voice has captivated the hearts and minds of countless souls domestically and internationally. In 2009, Melanie released her debut album, The Bridge. It was the formal introduction of what would become her classic and diverse soulful signature, melodic tales of empowering and emotional truths. The New York Times named the album one of the year's best R&B releases and iTunes named her best new R&B soul artist. The album's breakthrough ballad, It Kills Me, topped Billboard's R&B hip hop song chart for nine weeks and earned the songstress her first Grammy nomination. I could keep going and going, but welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> so how so, are- I never read my bio, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how are you? How, are you in LA right now? Where are you situated? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm out here. It's, uh, it's good. It's, it's good. How, how is the weather there right now this time of year? Uh, I, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, it's a little windy today, but it's probably like 20 degrees Celsius for all the Canadians listening. 70 yeah. degrees right? Um, yeah. Long sleeve weather, hoodie weather, but I like that. Um, yeah, it's never going to get, it's going to get cold at night, but otherwise it's perfect. You look great. You're vibrating. Your skin is fresh. You look like you're just, you're just glowing, my friend. I watch a lot of... I watch a lot of videos. Uh, I even went back to 2016, kind of around your pregnancy time and things like that. And, you know, just kind of hearing your journey. It's very inspirational. Uh, I watched your video that you did on your YouTube channel that was titled Uncut, which I think is like raw and real and completely just kind of a servant style message to your fans and your audience and your base. And and I love that because it, to me, it shows humility and you've been very vocal and, and upfront about your journey through kind of pregnancy and postpartum and then, and then your little boy. I'm a father. It's the best role I'll ever have. I have an 18 month old daughter, Talia, and my son, four year old is Dejan. And, uh, you know, watching that from parent to parent, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, there's no words, you know, when, when a child comes into your life. And it really is magical and a blessing. But I always say, I'm like, nobody could defeat me like my 18-month-old daughter. Like, she could break down our house. Quick. 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 They just come with like a, it's like um, parenthood is like the perfect uh, lesson in surrender. Because anything you thought you were in control of, you just realize that like, 
it's a constant battle of trying to control the situation and then all these variables that you've never experienced before that just come in and then they're like oh yeah you're actually not in control like you're not in control with this baby that it's feeling all these things for themselves but cannot communicate them um mm. you're not in control of how you think every day is going to go no matter how much you set up a routine um mm. and i feel like you, we experience that as humans but when children come along now you're dealing with other personalities other energies other um you know experiences and circumstances and so yeah, it's it's a humbling experience. Um, yeah, I, I love it because it's wild, and um, you just never know what's gonna happen. So it's exciting, you know. You can just change the, change the narrative in your mind. If it starts to feel negative, just be like, oh, this is like a, it's like a haunted house. You just never know what's gonna. <laughs> you know what the biggest thing I find is that um, who teaches you how to press the selfless button immediately? You know, in your life, that's the biggest thing I could like. I try to center it around one word, and I'm like, when your babies come. It's, it's utter selflessness. And I, th I think we all have a, a degree of kind of selfishness, you know, hey, it's just us riding. We, you know, it's little things like, I mean, going to the bathroom, right? You know, the door's banging down. I'm like, I've literally had like literally a phone in one hand. I'm in the bathroom and literally like my foot's out. I'm like, just, just one second, just one second, you know, just the pressure of it. So for you, how, how have you managed to, to really kind of dive into pressing that selfless button and and being okay with it and, and understanding what that really means. Um, I think for me, because, you know, I, you know, I, I can say like my mom was married with a kid at 19, she got, you know, Caribbean, different generation, different Guyanese. You got the Guyanese. I know. I hear you. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's like every time I think about doing things and of course, like, I think there's, there's this like negative connotation around the word selfish, but we can yep. actually, we can actually redefine the word selfish because sometimes being selfish for yourself as a human being is really important to your well-being and wellness and your ability to be selfless for others at times when it falls that way. Um, but like when I think about things, I'm always just like, I mean, I had my first son in my, I was over 30. So I was yeah. like, I did 30 years of doing things for myself already. <laughs> like, I had a blast. I had a lot of fun. I did a lot of cool things. And yeah. now, like for me personally, I just flip it and it's like, all right, so now I get to have another 30, 40, 50 plus years, God willing, you know, with this kid that is like a reflection of all of my experiences, which is like a culmination of everything that I have learned and can apply and, you know, like teach forward into someone else. And it, it's crazy because kids will show you the best of yourself and the worst of yourself and so you know it, it's, fun. <laughs> it's it's kind of fun of course it's hard at times but it, it. It's like a, it, i always tell this to everybody like especially pregnant moms because they're always like oh my god at the end of the pregnancy they're like oh, i just want the baby to be out i just want to be over i just want to i'm like listen to me you better enjoy every last second you get before this baby comes because it's over <laughs> that sleep you thought you were going to get that sleep in yes. you thought you were, it's over like and it changes overnight and there's nothing that can prepare you for that like you're a single or married or like you know just single person entity just living mm. on your own worry about feeding yourself doing things for yourself and then overnight you are responsible for keeping someone else alive and mm. that is like that's like the most humbling thing ever so you know I, I, that, that's how i look at it it's just like what a responsibility what a reward what a gift to be able to have that responsibility especially when there's so many people who struggle who have so much love, selfless love to give, and they don't get the opportunity. So, you know, I, I really do, I cherish it. And my kid is awesome. He's nuts, but he's, <laughs> awesome. he's awesome. What is, tell me one thing about him that is, um, 
I, I, I that you're just like he does this and I don't know where he gets it from. I he doesn't get it from his mom. He doesn't get it from his dad. He like just one weird thing where you're like, where does he get this from? <laughs> Even his craziest things, I know I can see with myself. I was like, oh, this is that energy. I didn't know what to do with as a kid, and he has it, and now I see it. Um, but he's his dancing is so funny. Like he is a, I mean, he gets this from us, a natural performer as far as this, but like he does like the robot, like <laughs> one of his moves is the robot. Like he is like, and I'm like, where do you get the robot? I'm trying to teach him a smooth two-step. Like, yeah. Oh, very robotic. And I don't know where he gets that from. His dad is smooth. I'm smooth. So I'm like, we gotta, we gotta work on the smooth. We gotta work yes. on the So how, how has becoming a mom, you know, dealing with the fame and the celebrity aspect of your life and then pulling that and, you know, literally bringing in another human, do you think that changes things a little bit for you? Because I know, you know, you said being a mom, you're like, well, you know, you're you're kind of in the public eye and there's a little bit more pressure. And you talked about, you know, kind of like body positive imagery for women and and just kind of, you know, going through the ringer. And, and you know, you talked on one aspect where you're like, well, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for my success and my fans because that's my support base. But the same token, there's an immense amount of pressure to, to maybe be something that you don't want to be on that particular day or moment. Because like you said, man, shit hits the fans. So for you, how have you managed to kind of juggle those two worlds? Do you try to keep them separate? Do you blend them? Like I looked at your Instagram page and I'm like, you know, you show your child and you show your family and you show some intimate moments. And, you know, and some people, they, they're like, no, I'll never do that. And then others are like, no, no, this is my family. And this is a full representation of who I am. How for you does that work? You know, for me, I've, I've always just found that like transparency is power. And mm. I feel like vulnerability is power. And I feel like, you know, if you tell your truth, you don't leave any room for anyone else to tell it for you. Uh, control so, your narrative. Yeah, you, you create yes. and, I, and I think for me, you know, I don't, um, I'm very proud of the life that I have. I love my family. I'm also very selective with what I choose to share about, about mm. my child especially. And I have friends who do not share their children on social media, which I also understand 100%. Um, you know, it, 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 I think it's to each his own. For me, I just know what I'm very comfortable with, and I, I like that. And I'm in control at all times. So I, I, they were listening. See, the media was not happy. They were not happy with my truth telling right there. They were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just, I just feel like um, it, it, it's, it, it is a, it, it has to be a personal choice. And for me, yeah. a big part of my brand and my motherhood aspect, as far as my, you know, that that pivot into that part of my career. Um, I think it's empowering and I think it's important to share that side of myself with people. And also too, I think that you can kind of dictate how you want your media, how you want your following to respond to your, mm. by setting the narrative. You know? Very so true. Like for me, people, because I, I do choose um, what to share and it comes from a very honest human place. Mm. Um, yep. you know, I'm not taking my kid and showing my kid like, here's my kid on a private jet and here's my kid, you know, like it's, it's yes. not, like here's my kid learning how to navigate homeschooling. Here's my kid, you know, watching me sing as a mom or like, you know, doing th just things that are real to me. And I feel like that creates a tone that gets people to say, oh, I understand what this is um, mm. and I respect what it is and I respect the way that she delivers it. And so I don't really get any crazy things. Mm. I, I love my audience. I love the audience that I've built. They are, I feel they're genuine people. And mm. I feel 
they see me for being a genuine human. And so they respect that and they love that and they support that. And so I'm never really overly concerned about it getting mm. negative or anything. I'm very grateful that it hasn't been that way for me. And I feel like that just comes from, because I set the tone that way. Well, you're not front. You're not fronting at all, too. You know, you you know, you see a lot of <laughs> standing in front of like a Bentley and all these things, right? And and I think you're once you start doing those kind of things, I'm like, you do know you're gonna invite in some really interesting characters once you start doing those. Like you're kind of asking for it, you know, in, a, in in certain aspects. And and your 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 social media is very very holistic, very very like you know you're. Yeah, well, you're, 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 you're just even your most recent post, it's like water or something. And you got some words and you, you're talking about how you cry at a pin drop and things like that. And, you know, and then you flip it over and you show your, you know, you show your, you show your, your, I, I call it your honey bunny. I like to call people's partners their honey bunnies. <laughs> you know, and then you're showing your, your son and stuff like that. So you do such a great job of that. How do you, and just so you kind of have a context on our audience, I mean, I, I started this this show and I said, man, I, the, our show centers around two words. It's curiosity and it's provoke because I feel like a lot of people are living and they're living numb. They're living, they're walking around their world, living very, very numb. And I'm a glass half full kind of person. So with COVID-19 and the pandemic, that's it. A lot of people say, oh my God, it's tons of negative, tons of bad things happen. The one silver lining on this whole situation that I love is people are actually looking at themselves they're actually getting to know themselves. They're actually asking questions. You know, they're, they're, they're having extra time on their hands to really dig deep. And it seems like you're somebody that's consistently digging deep inside yourself. And even going back to when, you know, your album was coming out and you said, look, my priority right now is being a mom to just your whole journey in your music career. You literally have been through turbulence. I mean, there was no straight line to the, to the top, so to speak, right? So is that just Melanie as Melanie before all the music and you as the Guyanese, Toronto, T-Dot, human being, very chill? Or is that something that you've cultivated over the years of just you being you and growing? I think that it's something that I have always been. Um, and I think that it's something that I just learned to embrace among on my journey. Um, Got it. Actually being in entertainment, there's a lot of elements and factors and voices that will tell you that that's not going to be to your benefit, that like you kind of have to push the envelope as far as what gets people talking about you or what gets you trending or blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, mm. how do you stay relevant and what keeps you popular and who are mm. you eating? What are you wearing? And blah, 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 mm. blah. Um, these things have never appealed to me. Um, I don't like... Uh, I don't like a lot of fanfare as far as those things. Like um, showing up to places just to be seen has never been my thing. Um, I don't like it. I, I like chill vibes. I, I feel like yeah. that's who I've always been. And so, you know, I'm sure that there's people along the way that'll be like, well, that's detrimental to your career. But I'm just like, yeah, my career is a small blip in the radar of who I am as a human being. Yes. Who, how, who I am and how I have to live in my daily basis is is more far more important to me my wellness my sanity um my relationships with the people that i love and care about the most uh these are the things that will sustain me long beyond the stage and the lights and all of that and so um i think along the journey that kind of like now to the place where i'm at right now i kind of just like hey it's, it's okay like you know like I, I don't i don't regret i don't regret anything um 
and I actually feel very happy and whole and I feel like I have so much room to be whatever it is that I want to be because I didn't like, I, I decided not to allow other people to just like define what it had to be for me what my life had to look like what my career had to look like um, and there are people obviously who have ideas about what went on and we can talk about it and fine to talk about it all um, but you know it there was depth there's definitely been many points in my career and my journey that have struggled between the human and the artist mm. and the person and the product and um, I, this this journey of mine, especially in entertainment, really forced me to tap into the make or break situation. And I just wasn't willing to break as a human being. And I just mm. wasn't willing to sacrifice my, um, my desire to have it all of what it meant as far as mm. family and motherhood and mm. humility and um, anonymity and all these things, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of nice. That, that, that's what works for me and it doesn't necessarily work for everybody, but it's what works for me and it's what I hold as high value for me. So um, I always said it, I never wanted to not be able to walk my kid down the street. Like, to, to, like I, I never wanted that type of fame. I, I didn't, and I, I, I knew that from the beginning. And I'm sure there was a lot of people that hoped that I would give that dream up, but I just didn't. And you know, I never, I never actually um, gave up music. I'd like to say that to become a mother, because um, people create that narrative around women all the time if they, yep. if they choose. And there's so many factors that contributed as to why there hasn't been music that has been put out in the last few years on my behalf. Um, and you know, my choice is that that's never been because I had to choose one or the other. And so I think but you don't, you don't have, you don't own nobody, no damn explanation. Come on, man. You don't, I, I'm sorry. You don't No, no. I mean, I mean, the vibe I get from you is you love the artistry more than you love the fame. You know what I mean? Yes. You're, you're all about the artistry, right? And uh, it's interesting, you know, because I, I don't know. I mean, I look at a, so many media interviews. I've watched so many. I went all the way back to your interview you did with DJ Vlad like eight years ago or whatever. <laughs> I was, it's, it's really interesting to see the progression of you, too. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's like a baby. And then you kind of see you, you kind of see you growing, right? Um, you don't know an explanation to anybody. I, I just, I think what I, and, you know, when I go around, I'm like, who, you know, who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to have on my show? And then I, you know, try to digital cyber stalk them and go through the ringer and try to, you know, hey, I'm, I'm just a chill dude. Like when I'm talking to you right now, I'm just a human to human, man. That, like, I just want a conversation, right? But that's what makes it authentic. And that's what makes it- It does. It, it, it does. So for you, has any of that pressure of, of other people trying to control some narrative about why you released music and not released music bug you at all? Or you're just like, man, I'm doing my thing. Like I, I could care less. Well, I know my truth. And, yes. um, you know, that's that's the most important thing. And I think that like in a time where we are subjected to so much commentary and, and um, noise because of mm. it, you know, it's hard to escape it. Um, you know, of course, it's very, very hard to hear people say and read things where people are just like, oh, yeah, she just became a wash mom and she stopped doing music. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. like, ow, like yeah. the fact that you view motherhood that way is just terrible. Like the fact that you think that like it's washed to choose motherhood over anything is just insulting to the sacrifice that women and parents have made to bring you into the world. Mm. So, 
that's, I just don't like low frequency commentary. I don't like that in general. I don't like gossip. I don't like when people Ooh, talk about other people's lives. Like that. Like Ooh, yeah, low frequency commentary. Ooh. Yeah, I don't subscribe. I like that. I don't, I don't really like it. And in this industry, it's the thing that fuels like the, yep. the, yep. fuels the excitement and the talk and the comments. Yep. Um, and I've done, I think, a really great job of not doing what I think I might have done years ago or what most people would do, which is respond to the peanut gallery. And it's just like, yes. I don't really care what people have to think about my life as far as that. I don't, um, I know what my truth is. And like I said, it, it's never, it's never about um, disproving. It's never about like explaining myself to people more so than um, if something were to be completely uh, false to my character, then I feel like mm. I, I would definitely rise to my own defense. But there's nothing to defend here. Um, my journey through being a professional artist mm. in the industry um, has not been the smoothest ride. And that mm. is a reality that most artists face. And there's so many things that people go through personally and professionally that the public feel that they're privy to everything. So they, you know, they just feel like mm. they come up with their assumptions and it's just not true. Mm. And, and I just feel like, like what you said, being human to human is what we have to remember. That like everybody is going through something that they're not sharing publicly. Everyone is is working through some battle that we should have a level of sensitivity to. And thankfully, I have tough skin. You know what's so interesting is that in your industry, a lot of people make careers off being armchair critics. And I'm always with the narrative, don't comment on the game if you're not even playing in it. So my, right? You can't, you can't, it's just not fair. Like you're not even in there getting hit and, and bruised up and bleeding. You're, you're sitting in the stands, you know? So, um, so let me, uh, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. There was this thing the other day that I did comment on, on Twitter, um, because I found it to be really, uh, irresponsible and of course mm. you're like living in like this social media commentary where everything is a game everything's fun and <laughs> like one's gotta go this game one's gotta go. <laughs> and so like we do these things like one's gotta go at, at thanksgiving is it the turkey the cranberry sauce the stuffing or the greens Ooh. Like, like, so you know you play these games but the, the public plays these games with people's lives and their music and their art and their contribution. And so it was me and three other R&B singers. And of course, like I'm not privy to what everyone else is saying about everyone else, but it comes on my radar on the Twitter feed about um, people who voted me to go out of this, mm. you know, this, this list. And I really had to say something because people are so fragile right now mm. and artists especially like when you dedicate your life or your art or the things that come from you and your personal experiences to the to the um the hope that people will receive it and it will affect people positively and then at some point in your life there's a bunch of people online deciding that you don't matter anymore mm. and what contributed is not worthy enough and they would choose other people over you if, if one of you guys yeah. was and i commented to be a voice for the people that don't know how to receive and let that stuff go because they might be in a fragile situation to say I don't matter my life doesn't matter my life's work doesn't matter people don't appreciate what I've done I don't have value and in this mm. industry where our values play so much on what other people review you for or say about you 
And so I had to publicly say it because there are people out there that are not strong. There are not people. There are people out there that take those things to heart. That that's where they put their value. Mm. And then you hear these awful stories about people dying prematurely or committing suicide, and then everyone is so sad about it. Mm. And did you contribute to uplifting that person's? Um, wellness? Did you contribute to thinking about that tweet before you posted it? And mm. that's something that I'm very passionate about because I just feel like people need to be more responsible with their words. Mm. Um, you know, of course, it's not everyone's job to make everyone feel great, but there's words, there's power in words. And, and you have to know that like whether you're at home in Alabama or Saskatchewan, <laughs> <laughs> or you've got a blog or a podcast, like be mindful about what you're yes. doing out there. Be mindful of the energy that you put into this world. It has, it has power. You know what? It's interesting because I like to say, don't deposit your value into a checking account which you don't own. And in your media <laughs> business, and I and I and I bring this up because Lily from SWV, when she came on the show, she she talked openly about the fact that she was going to commit suicide after the group had broke up. Um, and she said, Ryan, I got into this group as a baby. I was just a kid and my whole self-worth was determined by the record labels and stuff. And she said, everybody knew me as Lily from SWV. So that became my whole identity. She's like, well, my name is Leanne and I'm a human being. And she said, do you know how embarrassing it was when the group broke up that I was so broke, I went and worked this $10 an hour job at like some dollar store she was saying. And she's like, I would be in there and a fan would walk by and be like, Lily, like, oh my God, like what happened? You guys were like at the top of your game during that, during that era. And she said, you know, Ryan, I'd never been more happier than when I was working that $10 an hour job. She's like, and she's like, I don't know, but God always had a plan for me. And she said, you know, then we, you know, got back together fast forward. And she said, it, it just is a brutal industry in that way. And she says, you know, I tell a lot of the young kids and, and, you know, young people coming up, you know, don't place your value in other people's hands. It's dangerous, very dangerous, right? So for you, can you relate to that being in it? Because I think back about even when you started, social media wasn't even that prevalent back then. I mean, like Instagram and Facebook and all that, like this wasn't, you weren't even living in that kind of time where people had so much access to everything at a click of a, a button. I think that, I think that, I mean, I remember at the beginning of my career, I was on Twitter, like right away. Um, I remember, like my, they had like a social media person on the, the label and they were like, we're putting you on this thing called Twitter, okay? It's gonna be huge. And I was like, really? And then next day, there were like 700,000 followers on there. And I was like, what? People care about what I have to say? This is crazy. And that was like the beginning of it. And I feel like because I started putting out music in that time when that tool was, which mm. was cool at the time. Yes. You know, uh, it was, and I didn't even really utilize it. Like I, sh you know, like now we know, but I feel like I am like the last of the Mohicans to be able to like have that separation of what kind of come back, comes back to bite you in the ass, I guess. Interesting. Like, I like if you're starting in this time right now with like, the Snapchats, the, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the TikToks, the Trillers, the whatever it is. Like, <laughs> I really am just like, YouTube, okay, YouTube. I really am like, y'all better be very careful about what you create. 
Please be careful about what you say. Please be mindful about the fact that this is not yours to own and it will be around forever and people will try to use it against you. I just saw this beautiful interview with David Bowie and David Bowie, this is like in like 99 and he's talking about content and like how the internet is about to change everything. He basically is saying everything. He's just like, this is going to be a phenomenon to watch the two-sided coin of this thing about how mm. share content, but how it can also create um, basically destruction. Mm. And how, you know, and, and he said it and I just watched this, I got chills because I'm like, yes, when you when you saw what it was, and there's also this documentary called The Social Dilemma. Um, <laughs> Everybody likes that damn documentary. So I you're like the 10th person in the last like four days that's mentioned Social Dilemma. Because I feel like when you wreck, well, first of all, if that keeps coming up for you, you should watch it. Um, yeah, I, I have to watch it. Showing up is true. <laughs> and, um, I don't feel, I don't believe there's any coincidences, but I think it's because. Oh, I like that. You're deep. I like that. I love you, Mel. You're so damn nice. I feel like you're. I feel like you're my. I feel like maybe you're like my cousin or something. I'm. I'm half Jamaican, so I can't. But you know, I mean, a guy in ease. Come on, man. You know how it is. I'm Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Friends have named me an honorary Jamaican because I love dancehall. So like, it's a thing. We're supposed to be good people, you know. It's good. Yes. But yeah, like the, the. I think the thing that we feel is that like it's it's a shocking thing to think that we are actually in control. You know, going back. I, Um, sure. Because also, like, we forget that there's this machine behind social media that, like, is actually collecting data and, and oh. micromanaging every single thing that you do, how long you watch a post, how much, what you click on, what you follow. And it's creating a whole world that is designed to what appeals to you. And so mm. when you start to realize that this is bigger than just, like, humans behind a computer, and then you realize that this is actual, like, technology and AI and, like, it's your head explodes and you're like oh my god like i can't yes i can't be yes um you know and then you just kind of either have to realize that you're going along with it being mindful of that or you want no parts of it or you here's the thing here's the thing though i feel like if i didn't i feel like if i didn't know how i could use it to help me help other people and create and like share what it is that i have to offer because i feel like it's actually it's a good thing um, you would never find me I'd be yes. I would be off the grid. I would be having dreadlocks on an island somewhere. <laughs> I would be harvesting all my food. And, like people just wouldn't be able to find me. Like I just, I don't, like I understand how beneficial it is. I understand that it is a tool yep. to use if you need to, but I do not, I, I, I would never want it as like a well, just remember though, every platform is designed to take and take as much attention from you as they possibly can. And when they take attention from you, they're taking attention from the things that actually matter in your life, your family, your child, your whole well-being, right? So it's a very dangerous slope. Would you say though, as an artist now, the fact that you do have so many channels, because I, I like to talk, I'm, I'm a business person, so I love talking distribution and I love talking ownership. I like to always follow the money and who owns it and whose account, again, it's being deposited into and who owns that actual account and is not just giving you a sliver. So do you feel like 
the platforms allow you as an artist to have a little bit more control, more ownership. Like even if you say, "Hey man, I want to I want to do a YouTube show tomorrow." Or I want to do a, you know, I want to I want to I want to I got two songs I want to release. I'm doing a YouTube live. Like I mean, you have so many platforms at your disposal with really great followings that you immediately get distribution. Like what do you th- do you think of it like that? Yeah, 100%. I think that this, <laughs> I mean, the social media aspect of it, I'm not really a fan of, but what I love is the access for people to, again, get whatever it is that they need to get out there. And of course, we're in a free world. We don't get to decide whether it's like dark web stuff or we, or if it's like cooking shows, you know, mm. we don't get to decide. But what I love is, is the access to choose. And so, you know, I 100% think that this is a beautiful thing for artists. I 100% that they think that this mm. is so important for people like me at this stage where I'm at in my career. Mm. I, uh, I am back to full ownership. I am back to complete independence. And that's something that I've been working for for the mm. last, oh my God, I can't even tell you how many years. Mm. And, you know, that that that's because I realized that that was what I wanted the next 40 years of my life to look like. Ownership, freedom, independence. Um, the, the, the right to choose. And so like right now, I feel like this is the time for artists, period, point blank, and creatives. The power is in our hands. There is no restriction. The value is back on the artist because you can do so much with very little. Like look at us right now. We're literally mm. creating a podcast from our computers. Everyone has a computer, you know? Like yes. everyone has a phone. You can, yes. you can create something from nothing now. And once upon a time, you had to outsource those things because of money and access yes. and gatekeepers, et cetera, et cetera. And now it doesn't need to be all that. Like the person who decides, I just want to have a thousand fans can say, that's what I'm working towards. It doesn't have to be this huge pressure of, I need to be the biggest pop star in the world or the mm. biggest television actress. Like I can create my own series now. I can create my own music and put it out and distribute it direct to my fans. That is, I think, what's the intention of every artist at heart, you know? Mm. So I think money comes in and money absolutely, you know, it's like a dangling carrot. It's just like, don't you want more of it? Don't you want more mm. of it? How much more of it do you want? How much mm. more of it do you want? And then at what cost does that come for you with your time and your energy and your ability to do other things? And so, you know, and, and be other things in your life. And so I love I love the fact that artists and creatives are direct to consumer now. I love it. I love that at a certain point when you get to a certain level and value and worth and number and you have proven that to yourself and to the world, everyone's going to come knocking at your door. Everyone's going to show up and be like, hey, uh, how can we get in? How much can we pay you to get in? And somebody starts offering you money for something that you have, you know you have something of value. And know that whatever they're offering you, it's worth twice that. my girl yo man i like that bring melanie to your next negotiation she ain't leaving nothing on the table it's so important for people to know and and it's really important to know what you value like know your value and know what you value because Mm. things are going to come into any business deal it's going to come into any any area where art and business meet and so you have to be you have to be clear on that or else people will will try to to tell you what that looks like for you. how do you deal with cockroaches how do you deal with cockroaches and uh, takers let's i, I want to talk i want to segue into energy drainers energy consumers like monetarily emotionally spiritually 
I mean, all of it. Just how do you, because as an artist, you've seen, oh, I mean, by this time in your career, you've seen it all. Like you've seen, you know, the ones that come in the, in the, in, you know, like the wolf in the sheep's clothing and just the bullshit. And even to this day, like, it's funny too, because I sit back and it's like, what is your motive? You know, and when I get guests on, I don't, my podcast is centered around trying to find uh, areas and deconstruct of the stuff you can't find on Google. Like, I don't want to ask you questions I can Google. It, it, it's a it's a poor use of your time and it's a poor use of my time. And so I like to ask these types of questions. So for you, how do you deal with the cockroaches and the takers and, you know, cause inside, and I know you have like assistant and all that and people, you know, you know, filter out and all that for you. But I, ultimately you're the one making the decision of yes or no at the end of the day. What goes into that for you and how it's a, it's a great question because how do you how do you balance that with you still being like you come across to me like bohemian you guys yoga chilling relaxing like spiritual like why do we have to wear socks why you know maybe let's not shave our armpits today who knows like very fucking chill but then you're like i still gotta be a business person i gotta i gotta manage that soulfulness but i still gotta be yo man like i'm running a business here so that has come with experience that was not always that way and I th I'm very fortunate that when I began my career I had a team of people around me that really cared about me mm. um, I'm forever grateful for that I, I, I feel so lucky to have been protected from that from the beginning of my career because there mm. are wolves in sheep's clothing and there are energy vampires and there are people that are just like what do you got and how can I get it um, and I'm so grateful that I had people around me that protected me from that and really kept my well-being at the forefront of decision making. Mm. Very grateful for that. Mm. Um, but also at a certain point, I think every artist, it's like a, it, it changes. It's like there's a part where you have to lean on your team and trust your team and and really build that foundation of trust. And then you got to go through some shit to realize where you denied your intuition or you didn't ask the right questions and you only get success from failure. I really truly believe that. And mm. so you know, as I've gotten to this place in my life, I've just grown and now I've been through some things where I pay attention and now I can empower myself because I've gained experience and education and I'm aware of what's out there. Um, and I'm not sure that I know everything, but now I just feel like I'm just not as young and inexperienced as I once was. And so because of that, I lean on that. And now I also walk into a room saying, hey, like I know this, like I'm not, we, I know how this goes at this point, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, you know, and there's people who will, it's business, you know? Like the truth about business is that when you get involved in business, people want something, right? Yes. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. That's what business is, it's a transaction. You go to the grocery store, you need groceries, you want food, they have it, you gotta pay yes. for it. Yes. It, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's how you do the business is what mm. actually comes down to the end of the day. And I love transparent business. I love, people being upfront about what their expectations are. I love people, um, you know, uh, keeping it very surface. I mean, very, very real as far as like, everything's on the table here, this is what it is. Um, you know, it's the unknowns and it's the backdoor things that people, that rub people the wrong way. Yes. And, trust. and it's the cloak and dagger type deals that are happening where a creative may not know about. And so like, I would encourage anyone, anyone who has a team, anyone who's getting into business, ask questions. Like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm. It's your life. Like, we hear all these artists now coming out about, you know, we don't own our masters. We don't own our works. Oh. Like, 
you know, I, I know what that is. I've been there, I've signed those deals, I've done those things. And you really realize it's a heartbreaking thing to think that you signed your rights away to somebody and they're like, no, you can't have them back. Yeah. That is such a hard thing for people to understand. Mm. Um, and it's also a difficult thing. I, I think it's an antiquated thing. I mm. think we move forward as we are recognizing that ownership is key. Everyone should be able to say, okay, I'm licensing you my rights to a certain point, but this comes back to me at this point. And you have to know what that's what you're comfortable with. Again, it comes back to knowing your value and what you value. And so, mm. you know, educating yourself is the most important thing. And now more than ever, every artist whether you're creating you know music or art in your basement or in like a big time studio with a label involved you have access to every piece of information that you need you just have to be willing to go for it you have to be willing to ask the questions do the research um take your time design a team around you that actually is empowering you and there to help you make the decisions a lawyer oh get you a good lawyer <laughs> <laughs> yes good lawyer yeah like and that takes time and i feel yeah. like the best thing that i would say to people is when you're doing the self-work for yourself your intuition is such a good gauge for you you know the people you vibe with trust that mm -hmm. when they feel right to you it's probably not like mm. i i i do believe in that inner inner compass i do i do and i think we need to trust it more and then design the people around us that are legitimate fact checkers and hire those people so you're a storyteller, I mean, through and through, you know, you, you tell stories through songs, right? And it's, uh, but you also tell stories through your social media and you tell stories, you know, through your interviews. What makes a really shitty interview for you? I love asking this question because people have done so many interviews, you know, and it's, it's, you know, like what makes a crappy interview and what makes a great one, you know, it's, it's, cause I think interviewing is an art. I do, it's 100% an art and it's kind of like, I call it a speed date. You got like 15 seconds to be like, hi, cool. <laughs> and you're trying to gauge like, is this person in a bad mood today? Are they in a great mood today? Like it's, it's a really, it's a really fun dancing art, but I love it. Well, I'll say this. Um, my favorite interviews are ones that feels com feel conversational. Mm. I, I, I want to feel like the two people that are sitting there have known each other for years. And I will say mm. that this being our first time connecting, I'm so thoroughly enjoying this <laughs> because it is like talking to, and that's what it should feel like. Like Dave yes. is so good. Oh God. I mean, he's like a goat of this. And I love watching his Netflix series. You know, my next guest is, especially the one with Dave Chappelle. Oh my God. Oh. Because, and I'll say this because Dave Chappelle is such a, he's such a goat himself he's yes such, right and he's so in control of everything at all times on the stage but when he's talking to david letterman you just see this like humble respect for sitting across from dave letterman and okay you watch you watch that interview right okay tell me you did not think david letterman is a goat when what five minutes in he he probably asked him like one of the craziest questions like he got right to the heart of the matter and did it in such a way that he didn't piss the guy off and he actually was excited to answer. He, 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 he threw it in there. So I'm like, like only David Letterman, you know? <laughs> That's what a good, I mean, even if you watch the one with Kanye West and you know, Kanye, oh. you know, Kanye, it's a, you watch Kanye, Kanye comes out, he's very guarded. He's very like, I'm Kanye, I came to be Kanye. And then Dave Letterman within the first like five minutes is like, shut it down. And Kanye's smiling and he's, now he's in. 
and it's such a beautiful art to see. So a shitty interview to me is one that feels sterile. It's mm. one that's like you could have found out all these generic questions on the internet. Um, yeah. You know, I, I feel like a really good interview allows an artist or the person the person being interviewed to show their personality to yes. allow them a safe space to be vulnerable without feeling like it's going to come back to slap them in the ass you know that the words are going to be used against them yes like, conversation you know when people are digging to get to the story to use it against you and then you yep. know when people are asking genuine questions because they want to understand because they want to hear your perspective and they want to give you a space to be vulnerable and be honest and I think that that's what I love about a great interview. It's not one to get to the to the yucky, to be able to take something and twist it mm. in the interview, but just as a really um, honest platform to be able to give vulnerability to both people, to be human, to talk. Mm. Um, and, and I think that, that it's con it's conversational. That's what makes a great interview. And a shitty interview is one. It's like you have my bio. You know how this shit went. Don't ask me these questions. <laughs> you have all the information. <laughs> You don't know. You know what I, I mean? love it. I love it. Let me know where you lie as far as your moral compass and what you think about it. Now. Like, let me know how your brain works. <laughs> let me ask you. Let, let me ask you this. So you have, like, in the entertainment business, okay, you got the performer, you got the exec, uh, you got, and you got the commentator, the interviewer, the, and then you got the gossipers, and they all have a role in the industry. Um, if you were to take the exec the the um the uh interviewer and the performer in a in a stage of one to three in importance rank them one two three one being most important and three being least important and the reason i ask you this question is because you seem like you're an art you're an artist obviously but you seem like you're kind of a fan too like you really are dialed in and you're watching interviews and you're watching documentaries and and I, I like that excitement. Like I, I sense your genuine excitement for for your industry and then for other other forms of artistry. Wow. Okay. So the exec. When you say the exec, you mean like what? Like uh, just 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 a business person. You know, it's you know maybe let's go manager. Let's go the the person that owns the label or doing the deals. The, the behind the scenes person, but they're making dollars. Like they're 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 doing the business side of it. Then you got the performer that goes out and hey does the performance. And then you got the the interviewer that's saying, hey, what did you think of the crowd in San Diego? Or what did you think of this? They all play a very important role in my opinion, but if you were to go one, two, three, you know? Well, you, you can't have two without one of them, and that's the performer, you know? So yes. To be the performer. If you don't have something or someone to talk about, then you got nothing, you know? So the art is always first. Um, mm. and, and it's hard to say, you know, whether the, the business and then the like, um, interviewer, the, the media is like second or third. Um, mm. They kind of work hand in hand. Like that, that exec is trying to get that performer to the media, and then the media is what takes that out into the world. And so, mm. it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship. You can't have mm. one with the other. But I will say that the performer exists with or without any of those things. The performer it's exists in their bedroom. The performer yes. exists in the subway. The performance mm. online, whether there was, you know, whether there's one person watching or a million people watching, um, and so yeah, I, I'm just gonna leave it at the performers, just number one, and you can't have number two or three without number one. So I love that. I love that. Do you think? Do you think with the the way the industry is given now, again, right? You got you have all these access points to control your own narrative, and that's where you're seeing 
um, you know, artists, they're, they're starting their own podcasts and their own shows and they're, you know, that Rolodex you have access to from being in the industry is, 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 is worth currency in itself where you can be like, yo, why don't you come on my podcast? You don't have to go through like 7 million gatekeepers and, and do the whole dance. You're like, yo, man, I've seen you in your underwear. Like, come on my show tomorrow. No problem. Man. I'll, I'll drive by. Do you want me to wear socks or no socks? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so for you, do you, do you think like for you, you're, you're such a verbal person and you seem like somebody who would be so good, like with the journalistic aspect of what you do. Um, would there be a podcast, a nice uh, Melanie Fiona show in the future? So I definitely think I've actually done, I actually created a whole podcast and web series um, called Living Awake. And I did mm. this, I recorded it in 2016, but I didn't release it till like two years ago. I think. Oh, it's actually on my YouTube channel. Um, and it really, it's, it's something that I'm actually really proud of because it was, I interviewed my friends and mm. I, my friends obviously happen to be people of, you know, name or note, whether they're online, yep. Yep. Um, you know, influencers and creatives and artists yep. and singers and fashion designers. And, um, I wanted to talk to them about what their awakening experience was as far as mm. the things that allowed them to own who they were and really step into their purpose that kind of like set their life up. Mm. Um, and kind of get like a little backstory in it. And I'm really proud of it and it's really great. And it's interesting, it's one of those like hidden gems that people don't know that I did because I had done it and it was supposed to be on this platform with this company and then the whole project folded and then I was left mm. with all the content and I just put it out. I had no plan for it. I didn't mm. market it, I didn't, you know, I just put it out. And so the people that did find it are like, this is so great. So I'll probably kind of reintroduce that to my audience at this point but probably do a season two of it um, yes. and, and you know the living awake series which i really love because i just feel like that's self-explanatory it's the conscious living it's the mindful living it's the mindful creative it's the mindful artist and so i want um i want to continue those conversations i think that they, they're what allow people to understand mm. what, what's driving what people consume mm. life, what people consume well, when you when you talk you know my goal is to have everybody that listens to this be inspired by your story and i feel like it's very hard for people to put themselves in your shoes or be inspired if they can't connect to you as a human because people put you know the way your brain works they put you in such a different stratosphere that they think that's not attainable when at some point you you had to be them yourself you know you start at one and you go to two and you go to three and you go to four taking you back because I look at pivotal moments for you. And the one that you, you've brought up and talked about a lot was your honey bunny, Jarrett says, Hey, I'm going to come in the hospital bedroom and I want to go home with both of you today. And you've mentioned this. It's, it's so impactful even for me, because man, I'll tell you, and I know, you know, mom boss and mom wife and all that, but I'm, I'm a different kind of dad. And, you know, I remember my biggest thing for me, and that's why I relate to the whole mom thing. You know, you can't like, don't, don't say to a mom, oh, you gave up your career. It's like, that's such a terrible thing to say. For me as a, a father, I didn't have a dad growing up. So I only, I was raised by my mom. So my biggest dream as a kid was to be the best damn dad I could be. So I planned my whole business and entrepreneurial career around that moment I was gonna have kids. And I said, I don't wanna miss any moments of my kids. And I have not, I've been there like literally every day, diapers, you name it, I'm in the mix. Okay, completely crazy obsessed father. But the most petrifying moment was when my wife was pregnant because I, you know, bad thoughts go through my head. And I'm like, God, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the hospital today in hopes I'm gonna get a plus one. 
and I don't want a, a minus two because like, how does that work? That's crazy. So when you talked about that, I immediately could feel what he felt because as a, as, as and, and, and as a guy, you're like, well, I helped create the baby. But after that, I'm like, I can't do anything, you know? And you know, you're petrified because you're like, well, I have to put this into hands of faith now and hope that everything goes well with the delivery and stuff like that. And so for you, what was that moment like like for you you know and and was that a pivotal moment and it and it led to to so many other things after that that you had no clue about and you also said especially through your postpartum you said man i felt like my body kind of kind of failed me you know where did all this come from and i just thought man you know you're just such a human you know you're talking like a human and you had that human experience it, it, it was deep Thank you. Um, you know, so for the context of people who maybe haven't seen the video, this is like a <laughs> where I had to um, basically uh, be encouraged to have an emergency C-section after laboring for a number of hours mm. and complicated labor. Um, mm. One that I wasn't expected because I went into it being like, I am woman, hear me roar. I'm going to just squat down. And have <laughs> Look at me. I'm so holistic. I'm so healthy. I'm so like, grounded and connected with the universe. Of course, this baby is just going to come with no problems. No, I had all the problems. I had all the unexpected things. And so, yeah, there, there was a point where, um, Jared had to come in and, you know, basically say to me, like, I have to leave the hospital with both of you. And in that moment, it's mm. like, it, it is a, it is the epitome of life or death, right? Mm. The mm. epitome of where do I choose? Like, what am I, what am I fighting for at this point? Mm. And, um, when that reality set in, cause I was literally just like, no, leave me here for another three days. I will sit here until this baby comes out. I will struggle, suffer and struggle. And I like, do not intervene with what's happening in this like natural moment. Um, but I didn't know that I was at such a risk. I had to, for anybody who's listening out there, I had developed preeclampsia during my labor, which is a high mm. blood pressure. And, you know, I could have had a stroke. I could have literally been paralyzed. I could have died. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it took my partner coming in and really having that moment with me, this person that I trust, this person that I am going to be raising this child with, um, you know, the person that I love and I know loves me, coming in and saying, like, I am scared. Mm. I am scared and I I need I need you to understand that um, it, it's scary right now and mm. we need to do what's best for you like I don't want to lose you and in that moment it was like oh my god like what I could not be here for the kid like I could mm. die like oh. oh no 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 and mm. it was like I cried of course I was terrified because now I have to have surgery and you know, it's one of the most humbling experiences. It was one of the most humbling moments of my life. And that's literally where selflessness becomes, you know? It's like, I think that I'm doing all the right things. Like, oh no, I'll sacrifice myself. I'll sacrifice myself. How's the baby? The baby's good? Okay, fine, I'll lay her, I'll suffer, I'll do it all. Mm. Well, what good is that if you're not here to take care of the baby that you're fighting so hard to bring into this world? Like. And it, it just was like a collision of things. And I cried. I called my mom. I was like, all right. And then, you know, I did it. It was fine. He's here. Everything's beautiful. We're both healthy. Everything's fine. And then the, 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 then the like, of course, combined with like hormones and everything going on yeah. is the aftermath of postpartum where your whole life has changed literally overnight. And then you're also trying to replay how it all happened. 
and you're trying still because we're humans and we're habit creatures of habit it's like how could i have done it differently how could i have fixed that how could i what could i have done and then mm. you have to go through the process of that and that was my that's what the video was and that's what the mm. my body failed me it didn't do what the doctor said that they, it's what all these women told me it was going to do i needed to have help well why why me and why not have it someone else and why did it not go picture perfect the way it went for my girlfriends and mm. you know i think that this is what we do as humans we compare and we yes. we, we judge ourselves and we're so hard with this like level of expectation and you know goals are different than expectations i think um mm. expectations lead to disappointment goals are something you're working towards and you realize that you'll do whatever you have to do to get to the goal and once i had to realize that like getting to the goal was getting him there and me there then it was like all right i got to shift i got to pivot i got to mm. doctors are saying and i got to go with that um and of course you know that still came with some like it can't still had to come with some like processing and I think that's that can be applied to anyone in life no matter what it is that you're doing no matter what it is that you're going through like it's okay to feel the things that you know didn't go according to plan you know it's okay but like how you fell down like how you get up is actually what's important how you get past it how you keep going you know what, Melanie? It's it's you know fall down seven times, get up eight. In 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 our, in our house, we we have this thing, and and it's very ego based because it's amazing how your ego will start playing a lot of tricks with you. And there's a great book. There's a great book by Ryan Holiday called "Ego Is the Enemy." If you've not read it, you should read this book. It's a fantastic book. Um, but the question always is this: Do I want to be right, or do I want to get the job done? I want to get the job done. I want to get the fucking job done. I don't care about being right. Yeah. Want, what's the goal? I want to get to the goal. Right is the ego. <laughs> right is like the ego saying, "Hey, like, okay, you, you're, you're wrong if you don't, if it doesn't go the way you want." It's like, oh man. Like my new saying is, "Would you rather be right or would you rather be well?" And I would. Yes. Rather, I'd rather. Have you heard, have you heard this? Have you heard the term, the saying of, sometimes you got to go left to get right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, and I know you're, I know we're going to wind down here, but your, when your message is delivered and answer this, honestly, this is an honest question. And I got it. I never thought about it from this perspective until I had a guest a while back kind of mention it. And she said, Ryan, I don't like when I am, um, marketed as, you know, like my name, I'm more concerned about the message I'm pushing out rather than just the name and i said but you know the name is going to help the message get further technically so you you know you to me they're kind of symbiotic like you can't really get away for you and your message and your cause that you're you know pushing out through your your different mediums and stuff like that in your songs is it how do you like to be i guess marketed how do you like to be represented um to to the world a assuming that you don't have a lot of control over that have you thought about it that way? Does it make sense? How do you like to be marketed? Like, what is your prefer preferred way? Um, it's really hard. <laughs> um, it's I, tough. It is, and it's to take no no merit away from anybody else who classifies themselves. But I feel like there are different different meanings for this word, and I mm. would like to call it as a healer. Mm. Um, I would like for when people to say synonymous whether it's my name or my art i want them to be uh 
synonymous with each other as far as the message. And I want people to feel something from that. And I want people to be able to find some sort of healing in whatever it is that I'm bringing, um, some sort of, uh, you know, growth for themselves. And so like, I would, I would love to die in this life when people think of me thinking of just like, she brought a lot of healing to people no matter what that is and how that is. Um, that, that, that would be my ultimate goal because I really do believe that that's what's going to save the world is that people healing everything mm. that they're carrying. And we're all carrying something and we all need to heal from something. Um, when I was a little girl, and, and the reason why I say that is because, and why I can like kind of like pinpoint it to that is because I, I truly believe that our the younger version of ourselves is the purest version of ourselves. I feel like our child version of ourselves is the is the one. They are they are the form of ourselves, the version of ourselves that know who we really are. And I feel like as an adult, if you can go on a path, and life is not a straight path, it, it winds and mm. If that road where you find yourself as an adult in your life can, can connect, you can find that land line back to your younger self, you're kind of truly living in your purpose. And mm. when I was four years old, I said I wanted to be a singing nurse. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> I like that, I like that. Like, no one knew what that was, right? Like, who That's gave who That's gave fucked me? up. That's good, though. <laughs> the permission to take two very like definitive yeah. uh, professions and then put them in one and say that that's what I wanted to be but I know for a fact just in my life of how I've grown up and the relationships that I had the experiences and the way that I know my emotions and my um my empathy works in life is that I know that that little four-year-old Melanie was like you have the ability to help people and that mm. is actually and I know this for a fact. Like I know this. Every time I get on stage and I sing, it is not. Of course, we love. Yay, Melody, we love you. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> that's ego, right? Yes. Like that's, that's ego stuff. Come on. There is healthy ego stuff, right? I want you to say it today. My name is Melody Field, and I'm the shit. <laughs> of course. Yeah. But, but but what what really gives me the energy? What really keeps me? going what really pours into my cup is when i look out and i see somebody in tears mm. when i see somebody moved when i see somebody's body responding to what they're feeling when i meet people and they tell me this song or this instagram message or this video that you created or i saw you speak or sing here and it changed my life that is that's the that's the work that I am trying to create right now and whatever I choose to do, whether I go on to design clothes or I go on to become a TED talk person. Like I just like, I just want to create that, that space of healing and growth for people to be able to be good with themselves, you know, mm. to feel like they're not alone, to feel like there are people out there and things that they relate to that don't allow them to feel so isolated in their experiences because we're really not that different underneath everything the emotional quotient of who we are as people is there we just have to be able to tap into that and lean into it and use it so that we can create a better world for one another and mm. I, I think that like that's actually what's really really important right now especially in the state of the world where we are i mean i'm canadian in america and like i feel conflicted so <laughs> many times about like a very social think way of thinking versus an individual way of thinking and and I and I really I 
really want us to start thinking about each other. I really mm. want people, I really want humans to start thinking about what they do in their lives and how that affects other people um, from a from a wellness standpoint. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, yeah. So that that's I owe my four year old self all the credit. She knew what was up. She's far more uh, advanced than I could ever be right now, even with all my experience, because she was just she naturally knew who she was, and that is what we're all fighting to find and be happy with at the end of the day. So you are. You know, from talking to you, one of the the biggest blessings that I think you've gotten in your whole life is the fact that you never, um, the four year old girl never left. You know, um, because I look at adults all the time and I'm like, what happened to the person that would walk in a room and look at everything? Like I look at my son, he goes, he goes why, 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 why dad, why dad, daddy, what's this? What's that? Daddy, curious, you know, ne never just focused on a straight line. Always, always got their head spinning, figuring out, hey, what, what's that? Why did they design it like that? What's going on there? Why is that color there? You know, all these questions that as a, adults were like, we need to go to work and pay our bills <laughs> and pay our taxes. Like, holy, holy. <laughs> the pandemic has forced all of us, no matter what stage of life that you are at and whether you recognize it as such, this pandemic has forced every single person to have to stop and ask themselves, who are they? Who have they been? And who do we want to be moving forward? And that is something that we have not been given grace to do because the world is so on demand, because we are mm. trying to always react. Mm. We need to be proactive. Children, they're just walking around, like you said, like my son, I learned everything. I guess I'm just like, yes, teach me more. Please remind me how to get back to the simplistic times of like non-judgment and curiosity oh. and free thinking and freedom and acceptance and not like, just please continue to remind me how to do that. And um, and like, it's such a beautiful thing. And so this pandemic has scared people to, to a point that they have to really start to examine themselves and like look at all the things that they've been running from and not facing and not asking and not questioning and not mm. redefining and being empowered. And so I love it. Like I love as dark as it gets for anybody right now, this is the point where it can only get bright after. So you just have to know, like there's nothing darker than pitch black. If it's dark, if it's pitch black for you right now, you're, the, the smallest light is going to seem so bright. So mm. look for it, like be open to it and just embrace what it is right now because we are given a great opportunity to redefine and reestablish ourselves and the world the way we wish to see it moving forward. And um, I think it can be a beautiful thing, I really do. What I love about you and, and artists in general is, you know, it's the famous saying, and I think this will really hit home is it's um, people, they give you a salary to forget your dreams. Right. And when you really think about people that are going to work and doing nine to fives and, you know, doing the, the status quo job, because I look at entrepreneurship and, and even celebrity and, and being an artist, it's all very same. I don't work nine to five. I could be in my I could be in my office at 10 o'clock at night, 2 a.m. It's whatever happens that day. I got to make it happen. Right. And you know that it's you know, it's you don't your days are always so different, <laughs> you know, especially being a mom now. I mean, man, I'm waking up at like 3 a.m. because I'm like, okay, oh my God, my son's going to get up at 530. It's like the death of fear comes into me now because I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get my shit done. Right. <laughs> so go ahead. Go ahead. So I was just about to say, and I and I don't think that there's any like right or wrong. There's just different, you know, mm, I, mm. people who do work nine to fives 
My only hope for them is that they never forget what's, what's important to them from five to nine. Remember what it is that you love to do when you leave that office. If you gotta go to get a check and you gotta go do your job, that's fine. But remember to not lose sight of like who you are as a person. Make sure that you take that walk for yourself. Make sure you go and play golf or like, you know, play basketball or play on your piano or watch your favorite movie or like go hang out with your kids, take vacations, like whatever it is, paint cook, bake, like whatever it is that fuels you inside, you know, teaching, whatever, learning, whatever it is, like, don't forget to do those things on five to nine and on Saturday and Sunday. You know what I mean? That's what's going to help you keep you sane at that job. You know, mm. there's so many people who lost their nine to five jobs this year and now they don't know who they are and they don't, they've been so detached from what they loved and used to do, you know? Mm. Their job took over most of their time and focus. And so I just feel, there's a really great book called The Artist's Way. And I mm. truly believe that everyone is an artist. I do believe that everyone yes. has an inner artist in them on some level. And you have to feed that artist. Um, it's so important for your well-being. It's so important for your growth and your progress as a human being. And you're just, just survival, really. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, The Artist's Way is such a great book. It really helps people who live in a creative and, and function and work in a creative space, and also people who don't. It just encourages you to always keep that inner artist alive. Um, it's your inner child just screaming to be paid attention to, much like children in real life, right? <laughs> were you always were you always such an intellectual person? Like like even back in school days, high school days and stuff. Like, were you a good student? Did you get good marks or were you? I was a, I was a, I was such a good student. It was annoying. Um, Damn. Oh, you, oh, you put your hand up all the time because you had the answer, right? Yeah. Hold on, this is. The problem is with that, when I look back at like that girl, that girl was striving for perfection, right? That girl was striving to, first of all, not get in trouble from her West Indian parents for bringing home anything less than a B minus, okay? <laughs> to be a doctor or a lawyer or somebody <laughs> it's, so it's so true it's so true minus b minus so you know that's the first thing that i think was grilled into my head but the second thing was that I, I just i even look at my brother and and the difference between my brother my brother is very successful in what he does mm. he's also an entrepreneur he's a businessman he works mm. he owns his company what does he do, Melanie, if you don't mind saying? He's a, uh, he's a business consultant. He's a consultant. Oh, he, that's... Yeah, he has a company called Greenlight Consulting, and they work oh. with many, like Canadian Tire. They work with many brands oh. um, where they implement business systems to help businesses function better. Good, I love that. Good. Really great, but he's very smart and very strategic, right? Yes. My brother hated school. My brother, although naturally smart, although naturally smart, never did work was lazy at schoolwork, never, me on the other hand, I was up to like three o'clock in the morning with anxiety as a nine-year-old trying to finish a project because I was a procrastinator it, and I wanted to get the A. Isn't that so weird? Cause it, it, based on your childhoods, I would think that your brother would be the artist cause he hated school. And then you would be the business consultant cause you're the one always getting all the good marks. <laughs> No, 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 no. Because That's I, awesome. I was like, it, I was an artist in hiding. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was an artist who was encouraged to be a, like a, like a, a people pleaser, I guess, is yep. how it was. And, and so, you know, you want to, 
mean, it was all perception. It was about being liked and like, you know, being being smart and being good and like all these things. Um, but I know specifically more than like intellectually, the thing that makes me intellectual is my emotional intellectual. It, it is my, my emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, and that's something that I've had since I was a child. And I know yeah. And so the more opportunity I was able to live in a space and in, operate in an environment where I could use that, it helped develop me as a person. And so school isn't always that place, you know? Mm. So fortunately, I love to say that I'm like, I'm very grateful that I've had left and right brain, A and B. Like yes. I know that I can do both. And I love, like that, that's a, 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 I feel like a great asset for myself. Not everybody has that ability, right? Like not everybody is able to, to, to no. sides. Um, but my brother to this day, he will always tell me, he was like, you're just far more evolved as a human being than I am. <laughs> you know? and, and, and that's because I spent most of like my twenties and now my thirties living as an artist. You're so you're so warm though, Melanie. Man, I, I find you so warm and sweet. It's like you set your intentions. Like even when I talk to you, it's like you're you're very intentional. You know, I feel I feel intentional during this whole conversation. Right? I think that I, I say this to everyone is that like intention is where everything starts. Without oh. without intention, you're literally just out here, balls out. Like you're like, what? <laughs> I don't know, you know? <laughs> intention for how things go you know like yeah. it's interesting i recently saw this this talk where somebody was talking about the desire of wants like i want something to happen and the natural the natural uh flow of the way energy works is want and resistance so like i want you to do what i want you to do oh. and naturally what you get is resistance from the other side you're like well now i'm upset because i'm not getting what i want whereas if you go into any anything with an intention of an outcome Mm. the intention that is leading it's not like the want it's mm. my intention is to have a great conversation with you my mm. intention is to not mm. be caught up in saying the right thing that i'm not being honest um, mm. my intention is to speak from the place that i know to be true about myself and i don't have to think about it because i'm really just speaking from my truth and you know that I, there's also this other thing called mucho mucho amor on um netflix did you watch it no, my God. Okay, I, I, okay. You, you need to like send me like a list. I feel like you're like somebody you could. I feel like you could geek out with somebody like you. Like you talk about everything. Like it's so it's so fun. Like I'm like your friends. I, I your inner circle must always be like like Melanie's always awesome. Like you talk about all kinds of shit. It's um, great. I, I love. Um, I you love do good at Jeopardy too, or something. You you know a lot of <laughs> random shit really about know. random shit. If they did like. Spiritual Jeopardy, then <laughs> don't ask me about who was born in what year. I have no idea. Um, but this this documentary called Mucho Mucho Amor, it's about this like astrologer who like had this big show in the Latin community, la la la. Long story short, the thing he was this fabulous eccentric character. And the thing that he said, which I probably my tattoo on my body in some form and at some point in my life, is he says, I never rehearsed to show up as myself. Mm. And that to me, when you watch this guy and you see him and you see him and you, you I love studying people. I love observing mm. people and like God. feeling and seeing them. Like that's what I love. Do you think you can visualize so deep to the point of prediction? Like, yeah. like it, you're right. Cause if I, I, I'm, I'm, I said, okay, I want to talk to Melanie. We're going to talk. And my whole, my literally thought process is 
I, I like to be prepared, so I always do my homework because I don't know you, and you could be like really just bitchy and who knows. And I'm like, okay, she's she's because there's people that they're like, we're gonna do Q and A all day. Like you're gonna ask me a question, I'm gonna give you the answer. I ain't giving you more than anything but the answer. And you're like, oh shit, this is very mechanical. But I just said, I think she's gonna be really nice. And I think this is gonna go really great. And I, I just, I, I felt that you really had that bohemian feel to you in the sense of, I think she's just chills. I think you could just- Ryan, Ryan it's you intention. did of, of course, of always. You, if, I, if I'd have showed up here today and you didn't have that intention and you didn't come in with that energy thinking, I think this is gonna go well. I think, I, I don't plan to make a QA. and a And you did that. Like, I just showed up and I was like, if you'd have been like, so tell me how it was when you won the Juno. I'd have been like, well, this is what it was. And then that would have been the end of the story. <laughs> you sent, you sent, you sent. Do you hope, for everybody listening to this too, who interviews in the future, do you hope that the interview doesn't go that way? Like, do you, you kind of have like, okay, I'm gonna set the intention, but I'm really hoping that it does, like there's gotta be certain style or certain thing that you're like, no, no, like I do have a preference. You know, you have a preference, but you, you're like, I get it. This interview, I'm gonna do it. It's all good. You know? Uh, not everyone is gonna be Ryan. <laughs> not everyone's gonna be David Letterman. You know, there's gonna be some people that are really finding their way and their interview style might be very Q and A, um, you know, and that's fine. Like, that's kind of the part of the, that's what you sign up for when you say, yes, I'm going to do an interview. And I've done a number of press junkets around my album where I show mm. up and I'm rotate, I sit in one chair and then the interviewer comes in and they rotate out and they wrote, and they're all asking me the same questions. And at the end of the day, I'm trying to figure out how I can say the same answer 17 different ways. <laughs> Not, you know that's not fun that's actually work yeah. and like i don't i don't like this is fun this is music yes like it should feel that way i don't i don't want to have to think about this as a job come on no nah, man i like people to feel like when i talk to them and this is because just a quick backstory but it's you know when i started this podcast I, I own a marketing agency that's my bread and butter and I do a lot of public speaking and I would go on like TV and, and do commentary as like a marketing expert. So like new iPhone drops and stuff like that. And I said, man, Ryan, I really love talking. You know, I love, I love talking and interviewing to people. I literally woke up one day and I said, I want to start a podcast. And I literally Googled how to start a podcast. That was three years ago. And uh, you're right. It, it's funny how life works because you get to take all your skills of marketing and putting stuff together and packaging and, and wrapping it up never went to school for interviewing because I don't feel like you have to go to school for interviewing. I'm obsessed with with the laws of human nature, hey, right? It's right? A it's a it's passion. A, it's a passion and that's the most authentic thing. Like, of course there's journalism and of course, if you want to be on CNN and you have to like learn certain things and like, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, of course there's technical <laughs> stuff that you need to learn. But as far as like, I mean, this is the beautiful thing about podcasting. This is the beautiful yes. creative arts and entrepreneurship right now. It doesn't exist. Make it up. Yes. Yeah. That platform doesn't exist. Great. Make it up. We all had photos and photo albums. Guess what Instagram did? They're just like, hey, we're going to create an online photo album for you. Like I, and then like feed your ego by people, other people in the world liking it. Like, yes. like, like I, Creative. But you know what you do, Melanie? You know what you do? And I can sense this is that and it's a West Indian culture too. Whatever you do, do it fucking well or do not do it at all. And you know, there's 789. Oh my God. I, I walked you into that one, by the way. That was magic. I walked you right into that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, last, second last question. 
If you're crying and you're feeling bad, what is a comfort food that you just could eat all day long? No health. I don't like, I want like just, just a dirty ass food that you're just like, I want to eat this all day and soak in my sorrow. <laughs> so funny too is that and i hate i as a jamaican i always hate to admit it but i'm like fuck the trinidadians and guyanese the roti you know doubles you know doubles trinidadian oh and it, it's it's crazy man i just oh throw some curry chicken on that for me like it's done it's over yeah yeah, yeah. We're, we, we, we're, we're really good at this we, we cook um so yeah so actually and and actually one of my greatest treasures that my mother i asked it was like years i think when i was almost like 10 years ago Mm. I my mom, I, my mom was like, well, you know, what do you want for this? And I, I told my mom, I said, I don't want another gift from you ever in my life. The one thing that I want is for you to create a cookbook for me. So Ooh. I have all of your recipes. And she did. Oh my God. I go into that book. It's a little difficult now because I'm, be I'm vegan now. So yes. I have to make some, um, some <laughs> you know, like now, now, the curry might be potato curry instead of shrimp curry um but you know i'm i'm i love it's like my most prized possession and i and i did it because i'm so obsessed with my caribbean culture i'm so obsessed with my caribbean heritage and the one thing that i can say is growing up in toronto growing up in canada that is something that i'm so blessed to be able to say that has been celebrated and encouraged and i was surrounded by it so it's such a huge part of my fabric when i moved away i started to feel really sad because i wasn't as surrounded by that and um I, I just never wanted it to die. I just, I always was like, mom, if you die, when you die, like, I won't know. I won't know how to keep it going. And so that is like my prized possession. I, I, maybe I'll publish it one day so that everybody can know about Donna's cooking. Mm. Donna's legend. My God, Donna, Donna, so friggin' West Indies, like Donna's kitchen. Oh my God. Donna, I mean, Donna is a mood. Like I use Donna as an, it's like, oh, this is very Donna like ooh, Donna's gonna get you like Donna is a thing she's, she's a force man I love her. I like that mood where everybody's like oh there's a Karen <laughs> you know the mood Karen oh you you so damn entitled you so damn entitled you a Karen right there that's Karen that's Karen as the world turns you will learn about Donna and then you'll be like oh she's a Donna yeah oh Melanie, thank you so much for giving me your biggest asset today, which is your time. My last question to you is, what can I do for you? Oh, what can you do for me? Um, you can continue to be an amazing dad. Oh. To pour into people the way that you do so that you can inspire and continue a positive vibration moving forward. That is what you can do for me. I don't need to care about anything. Um, but my, my hope is that can be a part of the movement as you are and just keep putting good vibes out there. And, oh, I love that. And, 
And when and when it's time and when it's time for like new projects and stuff, I'll come back and I'll talk to you. And then we Please. can talk about those. We can talk about those like real technical. I try to, yeah, I try to build relationships. I mean, the world really is relationships too, right? I mean, and and that's kind of, I mean, I always say like, you know, you got to look at the relationships you build. It's hard to make new old friends, right? And uh, and and that's the reality of life. So I appreciate you. How can everybody reach out to you and uh, pick up everything that you're dropping off at yes. the Irie store? <laughs> yes. um, it's, you know, the website, MelanieFiona.com. And then, of course, everything is at Melanie Fiona on all social handles um, and you know I just I really want to thank you so much for yeah, first of all I want to big you up for being a person of color in entertainment in Canada that's mm. really important and we need more representation we need more uh, value placed into us and, mm. and, uh, and also the second thing is I really want to thank you for bringing me to your audience in Canada as well because I mean, we could do a whole other podcast about it. Is that like my connection, not from my own doing? It's like I, I, I don't have the outlets in Canada reaching out to me to talk to me. Um, and so I really appreciate you bringing um, the opportunity to my team to have me come and talk because a lot of people request and ask me to do these things, and I don't do all of them. But when Canada calls, I always answer. And, um, and I really, I really appreciate it. I'm, you're so damn sweet right now. I feel like I got to give you like a digital hug, man. Oh, My God, right and your family's so freaking lucky to have you. And give them, give the, give your your son and your honey bunny and everybody um love from the Team Holt squad, my friend. Okay. Uh, last thing, can you just say the Rhino Show podcast? Absolutely. You want me to? You want me to? Uh, uh, Melanie Fiona. I want Melanie. I want Melanie Fiona authentic version. Oh shit, the Ryan Holtz podcast. That's the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. The Ryan Holtz Show podcast. I love that. I yeah. love that. I love that. I I hope this isn't our last time talking. I'm gonna give you a clean one right now. Okay. This is exclusive for you. Pew 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 pew. What's up? It's your girl Melanie Fiona, and you are checking me out right here on the Ryan Holtz Show podcast, the most authentic place to be. And curiosity should always be your mandate, everybody. What a great note to end it off on. Melanie, I love you so much. Love, my friend. Let me know if you need anything. And I hope we. this is not our last time talking. Let me know if you need anything, okay? Thank you. Keep being great. Keep representing. More awards your way. More blessings. More positivity. More life. More love. Everything. You're the best. Take care. Ciao.